And for you note takers, um, uh, you can, uh, the title of the message is planning for the future, planning for the future. You know, and if any time you ever want our notes, just all you got to do is just uh, email the church. You can email the church at connect at spirit-life.org, and I'll, I'll give you my notes um, for your own study. But, um, you know, it was once said by, uh, from what I understand, you know, Benjamin Franklin said one time that if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. By not planning, it's already, it's already, uh, 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 not to say a discredit, but you're already hurting yourself by not having a plan in action because when you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. And I really appreciate um, one of our overseers, uh, Pastor Greg. He's been here many times. Um, There's a church that we grew up in. He took over um, after Pastor Arthur um, had passed away, kind of really before he actually passed away. He was already transitioning into that. Um, but I appreciate his leadership in my life because back in 2007, he taught me to begin to seek God for the upcoming seasons, and that has transformed my life. Uh, many times we just, seasons come upon us, and we never prepare for the next season or the seasons to come. And I really appreciate that about, about Pastor Greg, because he took me under his wings, and he just began to, really, he didn't lay out points and stuff like that. He didn't give me bullet points. He just challenged me to seek God for the next seasons of my life. Uh, and I'm really, today I want to give you a challenge for preparing for your future. If you don't take uh, concern about your future, who else is going to? You, you need to take thought for your future, where you are right now, where you're going to go. And before you can find out where you want to go, you got to find out where you are, right? Got to figure out where you're at. And then from there, plan on where you're going. But uh, the scripture I want to use this morning is from Jeremiah uh, 29 11 just kind of setting up some things here you can you can turn there if you like but you know pastor greg uh just really him taking me under his wings and teaching me that in 2007 it kind of became at first it was awkward it was different because it was new to me when you do something new it's awkward at first can you say amen it's just it's different you're doing something new it's it's out of your element but as i began to do it and seek it because i understood the benefit in it especially when we were in a season where we had served the Lord in our local church and in our community for years, and we knew we were called to ministry, but we didn't know exactly what the next step was. When you don't know what the next step was, but you know that there is a next step, I want to go to the one that has the plans. God has all the plans. And I began to seek him out with these things. Like I said, it was really just Pastor Greg encouraging me to seek out the Lord. Go seek out God for yourself, and he will reveal himself to you. And it became such a norm, especially looking to the new year. And there'll be things we're going to share with you about the theme that God has given me for, for 2021. Well, that'll come up in the next several weeks here, and we're excited about that to share that with you. But it became such a norm to seek God that automatically my spirit would just, a switch would go off in my spirit around September or October. Every year, it's time to seek God for the following year. It just, because I began to make it a discipline to seek him, now it's been 13 years, just around that time, all of a sudden, click, something just goes on. All right, you need to get it on the calendar. You need to start planning and getting away with God and seeking God for what he has for you personally, for you has for the church, whatever, maybe your business, whatever it would be to be able to seek him out. And, you know, it says here in Jeremiah 29, 11, we know this scripture very well. 
God speaking through the prophet says this, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Boy, that's good right there. First thing we need to see in this scripture is that God knows the plans he has for you. They're not hidden from him. He's got the full details of the plans for your life. You know, but what he wants is he wants you to know the plans that he has for you. It, it don't do any good just for God to hold on to the plans that he has for you. He wants you to know the plans that he has for you so that you can do the plans that he has planned for you. Can you say amen? amen. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Their plans for good. You know, there's still many Christians out there that, that don't believe that, do, that God does good all the time. They can question when I read the word, the Bible tells me in multiple places, God is good and he only does good things. When he plans, his plans, they are good plans. They're not plans for disaster. So really, God's plan for you, they're good plans. He's not planning disaster for you. That word disaster, uh, some other translations and you get into the, to the Hebrew of it, there's like evil, there's misery, there's distress, there's injury. God don't plan that for you. He has good plans for you. Every thought he has for you is good. Every plan he has for you in this season and the seasons to come, they are good. And the Bible says God is good and God is perfect. So everything that God does is good. Everything that God does is perfect. He's got the perfect timing. He's got the perfect plan. He knows the perfect season. He knows exactly the tools that you need to do what he's asking you to do. It, his plan is perfect. And he knows the plan, but he needs us to know the plan. And he says that his plans are for good and therefore a future and a hope. I mean, what a better time to get out of this I don't know, this blanket, uh, it seems to be kind of like of, of darkness and begin to plan for the future. You know, the enemy would like nothing more than to stop the people of God of planning the future and working with God. Like we're at a standstill. God is not stopped. God, he, the enemy cannot stop God. His plans will work. No matter what the enemy does, there can be some hindrances here and there, but he does not stop God's plan. The only thing the enemy can do is if he tries to hinder here and there, it's not like he hinders God because in a sense, if anything the enemy's doing, whether you, you can agree with it or not agree with it, it can be a hard pill to swallow. The enemy can only do what he's allowed to do under the sovereignty of God. That's a deeper teaching. That's not for today. We'll get into that at some other time. But God is in complete control and he wants you to know that he's in complete control. And he wants you to know the plan that he has for you. He wants to know you to know the plan that's in for your own life and even how the plan for your own life fits in his plan for uh, the community of a local church, within that community of a local church, within the community of the body of Christ in this area and even within the world. I mean, it's big. This is good stuff, amen? So in order to plan for a good future, you have to plan in hope. He says, I, I, I want to give you a future and a hope. There's three things about hope. Hope is a controversial word, believe it or not. Hope is a controversial word. 
because it's an eternal word. It always upsets the things of the temporal or the natural by its eternal nature. Every, everything in this world wants to try to destroy hope, but guess what? Hope is eternal. Praise the Lord. And whenever you get around someone who wants to be in despair, they don't know the, the plans of God. Maybe they don't even want to know the plans of God. Really, I think everybody wants to know the plans of God. It's just because despair has gotten so heavy upon them. But when you get around someone who has hope and there's light at the end of the tunnel, people will begin to turn from despair back to hope. They just need someone to guide them. Amen? It's a controversial word. Hope is also a visual word. It holds the ability to see not only a future, but a good future. I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. When you have hope, you have vision. When you have hope, you can see, you're, you're able to see God's plan. Hope is also a position. It's a place we stand in. Because if you're going to have a good future, you need to plan from a position of hope. It gives you vision. It gives you clarity. You know, the psalmist said this in the times and when he was being chased by King Saul at the time, David uh, he said, I would have despaired. Another translation says, I would have lost hope if I didn't believe, if I didn't have faith, if I didn't have hope that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The promises of God are not just in the sweet by and by. The promises of God are for here and now because the promises of God are eternal. They're eternal. When he gives you a promise, it's for every, every, whatever, every day, every sphere, the eternal realm, the natural realm, his promises are there. He is the I am. There is no time really with God. He's an eternal being. He is always in his present state. We have future. We have past. God always is. Amen. That's eternal. But then he goes on. Uh, the prophet goes on talking through, you know, God speaking to the prophet saying, I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans, future and a hope. And then he kind of encourages a little bit more. He says, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. See, God knows the plans that he has for you. He wants you to know those plans. He wants you to know them. You got to seek for them though. They're just not going to happen. God will give you nuggets, so to say really to those seeds of hope to get you to look towards him, your future. And, and, but you've got to seek him out. Now, I don't know about you, you know, we, maybe when you was a little kid, you've had a bad experience with uh, hide and seek, you know, where you couldn't find anybody. I mean, people, those people that were hiding, they were good at hiding. And maybe you're just like, I can't find anybody, right? And they never show themselves. Well, that's not how God is. God's more, you know, he, the way that Silas plays hide and seek. Oh, my little guy. He plays hide and seek. He'll want to do hide and seek. He'll say, okay, you count and I'll go hide. As soon as he hears you're done counting, he goes, I'm over here. <laughs> you're, you're missing the point, son, right? That's how God is. He wants you to come seek him, but he's going to guide you along the way to find him. Because he wants you to know the plans that he has for you. He wants you to know the goodness of those plans. He wants you to walk in the future and the hope that he has for you. 
Can you say amen? So today I'm going to give you something really basic in these next 15, 20 minutes. It's, it's so basic. It's so practical. I don't want you to miss the power of it. Because it's so practical, a lot of Christians miss the power of what I'm going to teach you today. And I've taught some of this before, but I'm going to teach it again because there's always people that just don't get it at that moment. And I pray that this is your season to get this because God wants you to know his plans for you. I want to help you how to seek God for his plans for your life. Can you say amen? Are you ready? I want to give you a little illustration. Uh, there was a, a, a pastor um, that uh, uh, had, you know, started the church, and the, and the church was growing, but it, it got to a certain level, and, and then it just stopped. And, and the pastor had asked a, a friend of his, he's like, I don't know why we're not growing anymore. I, I just can't, I don't know why um, we, we just can't get past this certain number. And his pastor friend said to him, I know exactly why you're not growing. And he said, well, what is it? He said, you're not spiritual enough. He's like, what? What do you mean I'm not spiritual enough? He said, you don't, you're not teaching your people how to pray. You're not teaching your people how to get into the word. You're not teaching your people how to fast. You're not doing it corporately. He says, because of those things, it's causing you to not grow. And he began to change those things around in his ministry. And today, he is the, he is the lead pastor of the largest church in the United States. Three basic, so ba how many times have you read scripture and you saw people praying or the importance of getting into God's word or the importance of, of fasting? I want to talk about these three basic things, these three really fundamental elements to spiritual growth that needs to be, it, it needs to go way beyond just something you do or don't do. It's, 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 not, it's not a condemnation. It's not, I'm beginning to speak about this. Maybe the enemy's trying to come in. It's like, oh, I forgot to read my Bible this morning. And you kind of beat, no, it, it's not about do's and don'ts. It's about doing it to make it a lifestyle where it becomes such a lifestyle. It's a habit. You don't know what it's like to do without doing it. Amen. Amen. And I'm telling you what, and this is not something I'm just teaching you. I've been practicing these things for years. Specifically, I've always been, I've always, you know, I've always prayed. Uh, I was always a man of prayer, and I always read the word since I got saved, and I did some fasting, but it became a lifestyle for me in 2012 when I went to Bethany, and Pastor Larry challenged the group of senior pastors that was there. And I took that challenge. And that challenge, if not, if, if it didn't, uh, uh, you know, double my, uh, my experience in God, if it didn't double, it might have even tripled. I'm telling you what, by doing these things and making it a lifestyle, my, my spiritual walk with God, my communion with him has skyrocketed. Everything that I, that I deliver to you, I get out of these times of doing these three practices in my life. And I've been doing these since 2012 on a consistent basis. So I want to share with you, the first thing that I really believe we need to be challenged is is daily prayer. And, and this is what he taught us, and this is what I, I took that challenge. And just like we said, when you, when you start something new, it's a little awkward at first, but you're making it your own. When, when, when someone teaches you something, it's not to do it necessarily exactly like them, like it's just a rigid thing. You need to take that, take it before the Lord, and allow the Lord to make it your own between you and him. It's the principle of it, amen? amen. So I really believe this. I, I know it's, it's hard for some people uh, to do this. 
Um, and it was hard for me at first, but as I began to do it, I saw the benefit from it. And that is this, number one, we need to pray on a track. Pray on a track. This is really like you're having a boundary. You know, you think of a track like someone goes to school and they have a track that they walk on or they run. There's a boundary there. There's, it's set before them. You could also look at it this way. It's like having a template whenever you're praying. You're, kinda, you're knowing where you're going when you're prayer because I don't know about you, but when I used to pray, even though I was a person of prayer, when I used to pray, I, I would pray about only things that really was coming to my mind at the moment or really just about maybe me and my own four and no more. You know, it's easy just to pray about yourself. And then pray for someone else. But, uh, you know, someone would come to you and you'd pray for them. But having, having a template or having a track to pray on helps you to have a well-balanced prayer life. And, you know, you've heard of the track of like, you know, Jesus taught, like, you know, the Lord's Prayer. You know, you start off, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Spending time. I don't know, no, other, no, no better way to come before God than just to remind yourselves of his name of who he, who he is, what he's done. You'll, you'll, you will pray yourself happy just remembering his name and what those names represent. And I'm not going to teach on the Lord's Prayer. I've done that before. There's also, if, if you're not familiar with, there's one called the Tabernacle Prayer. It's been out for many years. It's kind of using the, uh, the furniture in, in the, the tabernacle in the desert kind of as a as a template to come before the lord you know the brazen altar you come to the cross and remember what jesus did the the, the labor where they wash kind of that self-examination you know and you go into the the holy spirit just really reliance upon the holy spirit and his power and his fruits and his gifts and the bread where you're maybe praying for your family and cr close relationships leaders and so forth that if you have people under you then you come before the altar of incense where you're lifting up others before you that's where you'd really go into like city nation you know things that are going on around man i'm telling you what just something like that i, I would pray for my nation I would pray for my family, but I have more specifically prayed for my family and my nation and other things, leaders in our area, more consistently and feel more well-balanced in my prayer since I started these back in 2012. Then there's the, the Trinity prayer, if you've ever heard of that. I never heard of it until I actually was doing it for about two years before I even heard somebody teach on it. And the Lord just led me through 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It's the very last scripture of, of 2 Corinthians. And it says, the grace or the love of the Father, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And God so much put that in my spirit, I began to use that as a template as I began to come before him. And I would just remind myself and just love on him and receive his love and, and thanking Jesus for his grace and, 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 and receiving his grace and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Then I would take those and go back again and I would begin to pray over things things, you know, with our nation and our families, with the love of God, the grace of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And through this, doing this for, for several years, about two years ago, the Lord had me put together, uh, really, we call it the pillar of prayer, but it's just really a template. And after doing uh, the Lord's, I, I did the Lord's Prayer, I'm doing that this year, um, as well as uh, 2012 to about 2015, I did the Tabernacle Prayer, I did the Trinity Prayer for about two years and then about two years, the pillars of prayer, which is the one that we put together for our church. And it was really after praying these other tracks that, um, that I, I began to see there's really four main elements that need to be in every, uh, you know, a, a daily prayer or to have a solid prayer life. 
And the first one is this, and you, can, you guys can have this. We have some out there. I'll make sure. I know there's some out there already, but I'll make sure that they're in the back. And if you're online and you don't have one of these, just say something in the feed and, 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 and we'll reach out to you and uh, get one of these to you. But the first thing that we need to do, and this is one thing that so changed my life. Now, I'm not talking about whenever we, get, we need to pray for somebody. Someone calls you on the phone and they're saying, hey, hey, so-and-so just went into the hospital. We need to pray. And I just, I just begin to pray for them, right? You just begin to pray. Taking my authority, begin to pray, speaking life over them. I'm talking about when you're coming in to your private time with the Lord. It needs to start with worship, the very first element. Don't run in to asking things for God without connecting with his heart first. You so need to connect with the heart of God. Actually, these first three steps we're going to talk about is all about you preparing and connecting your heart with God so that you can properly come before God and lift up other people before him when you begin to make requests to him. Now, if it's a state of emergency, I don't know to need to go through all that. I can run right into the throne of grace and ask for help in my time of need, and he's going to give it. Amen? But as I'm coming on a daily basis, I want to come and worship. And I don't know any a better way. This has transformed my life in my prayer time with God than to come before him and remember his name. I love this. One of my favorite scriptures is Psalms 100 and verse number four and five says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and bless his name. And, the, and the, some people say, why? You know, what's the benefit in this? The next scripture tells us, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness endures to all generations. I could make up a list for you, but you know what? There's benefits in you just searching scripture and finding out names. I'll come into God's presence and I'd be like, Lord, I thank you that you're my savior. Begin to meditate on it. Thank you that you're my Lord. You're my God. You're my king. You're my deliverer. Maybe, maybe uh, uh, I'm going through something physically at that time. You're my healer. I begin to just worship him for being my healer. Keep myself in faith about the healing that I need in my own body. Come on now. And I'm just really, I'm just praying. I'm reminding him and I'm, I'm declaring these things to him and I'll, I'll declare it to him and worship him that way and I'm receiving it and reminding myself, that's right, you are my protector. You are my shield. You are my friend. You're my comfort, God. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I've got lost 20 minutes just being right there. It's not every single day, but there'll be times, man, that was good right there, Lord. I, uh, uh, just connecting with him with his heart. That's really what prayer is. Prayer is really just, you know, sharing your heart with God and giving him time to share his heart with you. Isn't that good connection, relational connection? God sharing his heart with you. You sharing your heart with God, him sharing his heart with you. Then we come to another place of the kind of the four elements of a, of a solid prayer life is reflection. And this is where we should come daily and kind of look at scripture. One of the best scriptures you can use, there's many of them, um, but the, it says it in James that we, you know, we come to the mirror of God's word. I think one of the best mirrors in God's word is to go to the love chapter. I don't, I've never read the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and not seen something that I missed. Just, just telling. This is just me personally. Maybe you got it all down. I don't know. But uh, when I go there, I'll find something that I, that I missed. And I'll just do a self-reflection and I'll be asking God, help me. 
I see that. Because before you can change something, you got to notice it. And whether you want to believe it or not, every single one of us has blind spots. Every one of us. There are things that you don't see about you. And God's going to either have to tell you or use someone else to tell you. And it can hurt at first. But he's not doing it to hurt you. He's doing it because he wants to funnel you into his plans. Because remember, God don't have plans for disaster for you. But God will use disaster to funnel you into his good plans. Come on now. So there's got to be worship. There's got to be that reflection. Then we've got to come to that place of empowerment where that's really the reliance upon the Holy Spirit. Here, I, I, I've been doing this. I, I, I love this, this time when I, when I come into my prayer time. And I, I just began to, to think about the Spirit's character and his fruits and his gifts and his guidance. And I, I pray every single day. I pray uh, um, uh, Isaiah 11, uh, verse number 2. And I just pray. I said, Holy Spirit, you're the Spirit of wisdom. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Give me your counsel. Give me your might. Give me your knowledge. Give me the fear of the Lord. Because I want to do it more for him than anybody else. Amen. And the fruits of the Spirit. I'll thank him for the fruits of his Spirit. And then I'll receive that. And then I'll make a plan to, Lord, I choose to walk in these fruits today. When someone comes up, I'm going to offer these fruits to them. And the gifts of his Spirit. I'll say, use me, Holy Spirit. Use me in the gifts of the Spirit. And I'll begin to name them out. As you desire, as you want, help me to be confident in you. I'll pray these things over other people as well. Then we come to the place where it's really that connection. Uh, where we're, I call it the connection. We've got worship, reflection, empowerment, connection. This is where you've spent time, you've connected with, with God, you've got your heart connected with him. Now God wants to use you to help connect his heart to other people. This is where you're coming before him with, with petitions. You're praying for your family, your church, your city, your nation. Amen. World evangelism. I'll give you a couple things that kind of, this is all scriptural because Job prayed for his family. You can see that in Job 1.5. Paul prayed for the church, 2 Corinthians 11.28. Jeremiah prayed for the city, the city that he was in. And guess what city he was in? He was in a city that, that uh, was no longer Jerusalem. He was taken away. And God said, pray for the well-being of the city that you're in because in your blessing, the city will be blessed. No matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through. Paul prayed for the nation and all in authority in 1 Timothy 2. Jesus prayed for world evangelism. You know, when I, when I began to pray, uh, one, another thing I kind of adopted this year um, through another pastor friend, and I've heard it before, but um, just kind of just felt like bringing it into my own life, and I've been praying it over you guys and myself, is the prayer of Jabez. There's four, just four things that he says in there. God, bless me to be a blessing. God, I, I want to be blessed, not just to be blessed. I want to be a blessed to be a blessing. Enlarge my borders, he said, which is really increase my influence so that I can increase more people for you and influence more people for you. Be with me. I don't want to go anywhere with your, where you're not, Lord God. I want, to sense you. I want to be sensitive to your spirit. I pray that over you guys, over our nation, over our city. And he says, protect me. Protect me from the evil one. Protect me from myself because we can make some pretty stupid decisions, can't we? Protect me from myself. Protect me from the enemy. So that's kind of like praying on a track. And like I said, you can, these are out there. You can get it. But 
I only say it, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to tell you to do something that, that, that I haven't done. I've been doing this since 2012 on a consistent basis, and it has changed my life. It's changed my life. And it may be awkward for you take it and do however you, however you want to do it, how the Lord would lead you. But when you know where you're going, it makes it a little bit easier, and you want to be well-balanced. I feel more, more connected with God when it comes to politics now because I've been lifting up my president on a continual basis for years whoever is president at that, at that time, amen? Then the second thing we get into is uh, read your Bible on a plan. You really need to know where you're going. Now, this can be multiple ways. I, I uh, always read the Bible. Like I said, I would just kind of get in there and maybe read a book, and then I'd go to choose a different book, however. Um, I, I did the one-year Bible for, for years, really from 2012 to 2018. I did the one-year Bible, and it, it, it takes you in like three chapters. You can go from Genesis to Revelations in one year's time. It's already laid out. I, I know where I'm going every day. I don't have to think about it. It's already planned out. I just get up in the morning. That's when I t spend time with the Lord. I'd open it up, and there's my chapters. And in, in one year's time, I went through the whole Bible. If it's too much for you, Go through the, use, you can use the one-year Bible and just do the New Testament. The Psalms and Proverbs still take you through in one year. You've got to get the Word of God in you because the Holy Spirit works with the Word of God and you have to have it in you so you give the Holy Spirit something to work with. Amen? He's looking for the Word. So this past year I did another one. Some people in the church did it with me. Uh, it was the Machane one-year Bible. It's a little more intense because you go through the whole Bible once and the New Testament twice. In the year, it's anywhere between, you know, five to seven chapters a day. Um, so uh, that's what I was finishing up this year. Um, it's another good one, another good Bible thing. You can create your own. I've created my own before where I would just sit down. What I'm trying to say is plan for your, if you want to grow, plan. Get a plan on where you're going to go and how you're going to pray, how you're going to approach God. You know, when, when the priests came before God, they didn't come any way that they wanted. God had a specific way that they had to approach him. How are you going to approach God in 2021? How are you going to get into his word? You want more faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've got to get the word of God in you. How are you going to do that? What's your plan of getting God's word into you? Don't play Bible roulette and just give me a word, God. No, God wants you to know his nature. Amen. Amen. You're going to find out who he is in his word. I, I highly recommend a, a Bible plan this way. If that's too much for you, then maybe you want to create your own. I sat down one year, and I just looked at the Bible, and I broke the Bible up for myself for one year, what I was going to read and how I was going to go through. But I had a plan. You understand? I had a plan what, was I, what I was going to do. I knew January 1st where I was going to be reading on June 1st. I already had it planned out. I it took time. It took a little bit of a sacrifice, but it's well worth it. Amen? You know, uh, you got to, you know, choose a time when you, whenever you choose your plan, you want to choose a plan, you want to choose a time that you're going to read the word or get him before him. Maybe you want to do it together, however you want to do, break up your day. Um, uh, a translation, I recommend, you know, doing a different translation. You don't have to do like every single year doing something different, but I have three main translations that I, that I read from and I kind of switch them up every year because it, doing the same thing all the time, it can become repetition, you, and you, don't, you need something that's going to be a little bit different than you're used to to catch you to make sure you're paying attention to what you're reading. Otherwise, you're just going, blah, 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 blah. thank you, Lord. What did I get? Right? And just kind of keep it in there. So I, that's a recommendation that I have, uh, different translations. But uh, then you get the Word of God in you. When I was just at Pastors University, um, 
uh, Pastor Larry was talking about, you know, the generation that we're in now uh, and how the church really has, uh, we've dropped the ball because the majority of, of our children, he had, he had brought it up with his granddaughter, you know, and he's, you know, the second generation, his son now is leading the church, third generation pastor. And he said, he, I took my daughter out for, on her birthday for breakfast. And he goes, and I began to talk to her about Bible and ask her questions in the Bible. And, and, and she couldn't. I said, can you, can you, you know, any, any of the books of the Bible, like from Genesis to Revelations, can you kind of go through? And she couldn't, you know, cite down through those and certain scriptures she did, didn't have memorized. And we've gotten away. We've got to get back to the word. It's so practical. You can overlook it and miss its power. Don't let the simplicity of it keep you from the complexity that's in it to reveal God's plan to you. It's so powerful getting God's word. This is where we sang that all this morning. You've got to have God's word in you so that you can come against the enemy. It's God's word in your heart speaking out of your mouth that will put the enemy in his place. That's how you fight your battles. Amen? Are you with me? I had just kind of a funny story um, a while back. Um, you know, I've been reading the Bible for, for a while now, and, and I do it with my little guy at night. We go through Superbook. Anybody got the Superbook app? Superbook. Anyhow, we go through that. It teaches him a verse each night. You know, we go through, and it kind of does different games to get that in you. And we'll go through, and, and I'm helping him out and everything. He's like, man, Dad, you really got this. And I said, yeah, man, we'll just get into the Word, and you'll get it in you too, and get him excited about it. And uh, one time there was a, an advertisement on my phone for, it said, says most Christians don't know how to answer these questions. And I was like, oh, I got to try this. Boom. So I hit it. I'm going through. And there's like, it got to be 40 questions. About 35, I was like, if this is not over, I'm going to quit. You know, because it, it says it's going to give you your, you know, where you stand, you know, among everybody else. I'm like, I really got to see this. And I get down and I was like, when I get to 40, I'm done. And I got to 40. It said, now here's your results. And it's, it literally said this, you must be a pastor <laughs> because you really know your Bible. I thought, that's funny. <laughs> but you know what? I was reading the Bible and had it in me before I became a pastor because it became a lifestyle. Had nothing to do without position of, you know, where I was and working with God in the earth. It had to do with my position just with him. I need this for him. And then God will use this with him. And that's really what it is. This with him, that time of prayer, that time of Bible reading, this with him is an outflow to other people. This is how you get to minister. You want to be a, a more effectual minister? Spend time in God's presence. Get into his word and see how he will use you and direct you to feed other people, to point them to him so they can taste and see that he's good. It's not good enough just for us to know that he's good. Other people need to know he's good too. Amen? Last thing. This is the one you don't want to hear. Fasting. We pray on a track. We read your Bible on a, on a plan. And you fast on a calendar. You know, I was told one time that fasting is like turning the high beams on in the spirit. You know, you're in the dark. You got your low beams on and you see a certain distance. But when you turn the high beams on, it's wider and it's further out. You got greater clarity when you begin to fast. Now, when you say the word fast, I mean, right now your flesh don't like it. it don't, you say fast, it's like, Ugh, right? Your flesh don't like it because it means to really fast, we're talking about going without food. I don't want to go without food. My body don't want to go without food. And there's so many different things. I'm not telling you how to go without food, what to do here. The, the, I did one fast. It was 14 days. This is years ago that I felt prompted by the Lord. I've never felt prompted by the Lord like that again. 
But I felt the grace upon it. I didn't even have a craving for food. For 14 days, I didn't eat any food. I only drank liquids, orange, you know, orange juice, whatever, just a, uh, juices or, or water. For 14 days, and you know, God was doing things in my life. That was the last time he ever asked me to do that. Now, we've done 21 days fast every year, but we do more of like, for myself, more of like a Daniel's fast. Or the way that I've incorporated it into my life, how it works for me, is I don't, I don't uh, eat uh, from the time I, you know, I go to bed, whatever, after supper. Um, then I, I, I maybe have a snack or something you know, before bed. Uh, and then I don't eat breakfast and I don't eat lunch and I eat at supper time. So I'm fasting that time. And when you're fasting, it's not just going without food. You're spending extra time in prayer and extra time in, in, in reading or meditating. It's not like you've got to necessarily read more, but you're meditating and you're praying. And there's, there's really three things that, that are important about fasting one, they do turn on the high beams in the spirit. It gives you clarity. It's also like going from a hand glider to a jet plane because you get a greater perspective. You see things because we're so in tune with our flesh, but God wants us to be in tune with his spirit. Yeah. Amen? And whenever you, whenever you tell your flesh, we're going to go without food for the sole purpose of seeking God and becoming closer to him, to stay sense. That's the idea of fasting is to dull, you know, to, to sharpen the senses of your spirit and to dull the senses of your flesh. Like, no, you're, you're, not, you're not in charge, flesh. My spirit's in charge under the leadership of Jesus Christ. Amen? So this is the challenge that Pastor Larry gave me back in 2012. I immediately took it up, and it's, it, it is something that takes time to get into. So I had to have grace on myself, but I immediately started doing a weekly fast. And I, 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 I've been doing that ever since uh, 2012, a weekly fast. I tried to do the weekly fast and the monthly fast together in one year. It was just way too much. I mean, you got to grow into things, right? So I just now, this, these past two years, started doing a monthly fast where I take, I pick, uh, and I plan it out. I have it on the calendar. Already, I don't, I'm not waiting until the next month to plan it. I plan the year. This is the day I'm going to be fasting. And if there's holidays and stuff around, well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, adjust those things to be with my family and do things to be able to have fun. I'll adjust, push a day here or there. And, but I'm, I'm choosing what I'm going to do. I do a weekly one. And this is what I encourage you guys to do. I encourage you, I challenge you to choose a weekly fast one day a week. And I, I challenge you to keep it the same day as possible because now when I get up on Wednesday mornings, I don't even crave food. My body became adjusted just to doing that, and I know it's that day, and I can even feel in my spirit, this is a time to spend extra time with God. I spend more time in, in that day through the week than in prayer and seeking God and listening, not just me talking, me listening, because I need to hear what he has to say more than he needs to hear what I have to say. Can you say amen? You know, John Wesley, he was the, he was the Methodist minister, he had the Methodist movement that went on there years ago, and he wouldn't even ordain a minister if they didn't fast twice a week. Wow, how would you like that? You want to be a minister under our church, you know, you got to fast twice a week. And he, he actually had a card. You would punch, you would punch in if you, if, you did his, if you didn't have your card punched, the next quarter you weren't ministering. Wow, come on. But there's, there's power in it. There's power in fasting. And then we have with the fast, there's a really... Uh, you know, the seasonal or the 20, like a seasonal or a yearly fast, which we'll be doing. We'll be doing that again here uh, in January. We're going to, as a church, we'll be talking about it more and, and give some more details there. But we'll be doing, we'll be fasting from January 1st till January 21st. And we, it's, it's really up to you. You don't have to do the, Tasha sometimes has done something a little bit different than me. 
Sometimes we've done the Daniel fast where you just eat, you know, um, uh, fruits and, and nuts or something like that. It, it, it's between you. There's no condemnation. It's just choose it and stick to it. That's all it is. Because if you allow this to alter, you'll, you'll, you'll always be flipping up and down. Today I'm going to have a donut. Tomorrow I'll do nothing. Today I'm going to have three donuts, you know. <laughs> Anyhow, are you getting anything this morning? These are so practical, but I'm telling you what, I really believe that your, your relationship with God would double, if not triple, if you practice these this coming year. So I challenge you, my challenge to you as your pastor is to choose a prayer track. Whether you take, you take this pillar, you can use that and just even maybe glean off of that and make up your own thing, but incorporate a time of worship, incorporate a time of reflection where you're checking your own heart, incorporate a time of empowerment where you're relying on the Holy Spirit. We don't rely on the Holy Spirit enough. Come on. Because there's more that he wants to do in and through us if we'll rely upon him. And then taking time to pray, filling up the cups, you know, things in our nation, all these things that the Bible says we're supposed to be praying for, but a lot of times we miss it. But when you're, you know, the Lord showed up to me uh, several years ago about the cup. If I only prayed for our nation once a year, I put, say I had like a, a shot glass and I had a big, uh, maybe 32 ounce uh, glass and I took this little shot glass and that's my prayer and I put it in that 32 ounce. Not only did that once a year, it's going to take several years to fill that up. And the idea is when it gets filled, God answers. And only he knows when that's going to happen. But if I'm more consistent, if I did it every single day, it's not going to take several years. Consistency. I got this from, from the scriptures in, in, uh, in Acts where, where God, the angel of the Lord came to Cornelius and said, your prayers and your alms have ascended before the Lord as a memorial, and I'm here to answer them. He's really like, it's overflowed, and I'm bringing you the answer. But the thing is, the Lord showed me, when we're obedient with the small thing, that little shot glass, and we're consistent with it, whenever we fill over that 32 ounce, that 32 ounce begins the one we begin to dip in. And the container gets bigger. And you, you begin to find out that your prayers go way beyond. Go way beyond. Just Sometimes we feel it just drops right there. They go way beyond. I feel my prayers have gone all around the world. My faith has stretched because I've exercised these things. So I challenge these with you. Get a prayer track. Choose a Bible reading plan. And then plan out a fasting schedule for the year. And my suggestion would be uh, once, once a week, if you can, keeping the same day, you just pray about it. Um, that would be my challenge. And then uh, joining us in our 21-day fast when we do that. Let's stand up.